With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Pod. Hello, efforts. I can't your, believe y'all couldn't do that without me last week, by the way. No, it's, we did. It's way harder we than did. We did. We did it Michael once. screwed it up. We did it once. Michael screwed it up, <laughs> screwed screwed it up the second time. awkward podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Who calls it a podcast? Dude, it's difficult. Shut up. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, hello, heifers. I'm your host, Internet Keith, and welcome to the Titans edition of Football and Other F-Words. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Titans news. We're going to review the week seven game against the Chargers, and then we're going to do a midseason review of the Titans season thus far. A SWAT analysis. A SWAT analysis. Very corporate of us. Yes. Uh, as is tradition, I am joined by some hooligans. Be careful. This first guy just might just ask you if you want to see his gnarly toe. It's DJ EJ. Oh, dude, it was like purple. No, it wasn't purple. It was like black. Two days ago. That's a lot. I regret even making this here intro. Now it's like a reddish purple. (laughs) Did you step on a Lego? I'm going to show you later. Please stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This next guy, he's back from his trip to foggy London town, and he's probably still a little bit jet lagged. It's Mr. Lebowski. We're fucking baby in the forest. I know that's like an Irish accent. (laughs) I I can't do a British accent. Um, By the way, everything in London is very goddamn expensive, and it's annoying. But it's all in pounds, so and it's all on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying you had you struggled, you yeah, had a struggle of a time there. Yeah. So like you know they drive on the wrong side of the road when you put your card in to get cash out instead of like handing it to you, it just sprays it over your head. Everything sucks. <laughs> uh, finally, we've got a guy who just found out that we broke into his house to record a podcast last week. It's Zebo. <laughs> to the person who won the lottery, I have your child. And I expect $1.6 billion in payment. You understand they don't get all of it. I expect (laughs) $1.6 billion if you ever want to see your fucking child again. You know this is a recorded podcast. Yeah. We have that child. Okay. (laughs) Disclaimer, nobody has children. Well, uh, I have children, but they're not here. Disclaimer, nobody's kidnapped children. And you <laughs> didn't yeah. win the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's clarify. Jayner did, does not have children in his basement no. that aren't his. <laughs> Legally. Right, right. Legally his. We right. think. We think. We, yeah, we're just true. We don't that know. feels like a weird thing to disclaim. <laughs> 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 
But anyways, this last guy, he still hasn't found out that we broke into his house last week to record our cooking podcast. It's my miracles. What kind of podcast was it? It's a cooking podcast. Uh, yeah. Cooking in other I, C words. I knew it smelled delicious in there, and I, I've been spending the whole week trying to figure out why. Just wait till you figure out what we did with the saute au lait section. Oh, dear. As always, today's podcast is brought to you by an F word, and today's F word is foreign, as in Zach thinks we should have left dead ass Taewon Taylor on foreign, foreign soil. <laughs> should have left his fucking ass. The only thing he caught that weekend was a plane back to London. Well, wow. You can, uh, you can catch some wonderful shirts from our sponsor. Let's let's hear from them. <laughs> Can't explain all the feelings I've been getting because of these deals. <laughs> Feels like watching Paul Bart live and you're playing the Glockin Spiel. For the <laughs> six one five. For the bill, for the bill, six one five. My nipples feel the love. Just look at my online card. This shirt that makes you wow. Working them till the mercury sticks down. My nipples feel the love. Ooh. Ugh. So if you're looking for a shirt that makes you want to kiss every minute, every hour, every day, then head on over to ForTheVille615.com today and get free <laughs> shipping on all orders over $100. And with every purchase made, a donation is made to the Nashville Predators Foundation. New to the store, the For The Boys shirt with a silhouette of Taylor Lewan. I don't know how much they are because I get mine for free. Or do I? I don't. I still pay, even though I do these wonderful ads. Would you make me pay? You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at at ForTheVille615. ForTheVille615.com. They'll make you believe in a thing called love. You knew that one was coming. My word. So is is Paul Blart now a uh, a recurring I've just run into two songs will Paul Blart wins. It just works. Paul Blart works sometimes. It's yeah. it's weird. It's weird that it's just Paul Blart and bleeding nipples that seem to tie up. <laughs> but regardless, let's get into uh, uh, Titans injuries and news. Um, we've got we've got Vicaro and Morgan who are probable to return after the bye. Uh, is there anybody else that we think will be back? Well, Spain. Spain. Yeah, but they'll all yeah. be back. Yeah. Yeah, Spain. Uh, well, we don't know what Klein's injury was that knocked him out of the game late. Um, it doesn't, you know, they haven't made a move like put him, putting him on IR or anything. So I don't think it's a super serious deal. But Dennis Kelly did finish that game at right guard. So um, it, we'll, we'll see what happened with him. Has no smell. This beer has no smell. I found that very odd. That's Sorry. interesting. This beer doesn't smell like it. So, uh, we're drinking Montucky Cold Snack. <laughs> you heard that right. Montucky Cold Snack. Yeah. There's a horse in a mountain. Yeah. It's very New Mexico ish, but it's for Kentucky. But it has it no sounds, smell. Is it nothing that sounds like a, that a weird? Deep, 
deep Kentucky like tag team backyard wrestling duo. I mean, if I had to give a smell, it smelled like Cheerios. Montucky sounds like a county that you stumble across and you want nothing to do with it. It's not bad. Welcome to Montucky. Hey, Uh, boy! Speaking of Montucky, Richard (laughs) Richard Matthews signed with the the New York Jets. I I find this odd, but it's... It's because he just said like a few weeks ago, I'm not getting picked up anywhere because everybody's bad mouthing me. And then here comes the Jets because Quincy Nunwa is injured. Robbie Anderson is injured. Uh, Terrell Pryor got injured and cut. So they were mm-hmm. down their top three wide receivers. So, of course, Rashard Matthews is going to go be the Jets. And I think it kind of just works for them. I think yeah. he gives them something they didn't have or they did have it in Nunwa, but now they have a little bit better version of a Nunwa, maybe someone that can maybe do a little bit more. Uh, but they give him a sure-handed target for a rookie quarterback. And, you know, I know it's Jets news, but it's more, it's a little bit Titans-related. I mean, we do see the Jets, so we're going to have a major Richard Matthews revenge game on our hands. Yeah. yeah. I hope we shut him down. We probably now, won't. And now Bilal Powell <laughs> and I are, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was what was it you called the, the, the Richard Matthews news? Titans adjacent? Titans adjacent yeah. Uh, corner. Yeah. yeah. The tack. Continuing our Titans adjacent adjacent game. corner, uh, Amari Cooper was traded from the Oakland Raiders to the Dallas Cowboys for a first round pick. Your thoughts, Zebo? Is that too much, Big Mike? In your opinion, yeah, I would say so. I mean, that's that's a pretty big haul for a guy that's like. I mean, he's not exactly been a great player these past couple years. I mean, he came into the league pretty strong, but. Uh, he's kind of tapered off a little bit. There's questions about his hand, his effort level, things like that. I mean, obviously Gruden didn't like him, but you well, know, you, Gruden then like? again, you don't really want to put too much stock in Gruden's opinions right now. But um, yeah, first round pick I thought was really steep, especially when the reports came out that you know a third was the highest that anyone else had offered. So the Cowboys apparently uh, outbid themselves to to give up their their first round pick next year. Yeah. Oh, let me let me ask you this. Uh, 15 wide receivers have been drafted since I think Amari Cooper was drafted in the first round. How many of them can you name that have been successful in the first round? So if you're a wide receiver needy team, don't you think giving up a first round pick for someone that's at least proven they can get it done is worth it? I don't know because I mean, I to be honest, still, I think he's three it, months older than Calvin Ridley. So like, he's still very, very young. He was young coming out of college. Yeah. He's still a young player. And I, I think he could end up being good. It's just, I mean, I, I don't know how proven he is and you're going to have to pay him big bucks, you know, to keep him beyond. Cause I think, isn't his contract up after this season or, or he goes into his fifth year option next uh, season yeah, or, a, or something like that. Fifth year he option drafted in 20, year. Yeah. He's drafted in 2015 yeah. a year before Martin. Yeah. No, a, the year of Marcus. I think he was drafted. Yeah. So he'll be on his fifth year option next year then. So he'll be expensive next year and then, you know, potentially even more expensive the year after that. You're so, expensive next year. Um, it's one of those things, you know, you give up a first round pick, but you're also going to have to give up a, a big contract. And I, you know, I don't think the Cowboys have a ton of cap space to begin with, but um, I mean, obviously if it works out, it's great and they don't have to worry about wide receiver anymore. Um, but it's a pretty big risk. I mean, you've got to hope he's way better than the guy we've seen the last couple of years. Well, l- let me ask everybody else in the room. If you're the Titans, let's let's take the Cowboys out of it. If you're the Titans and we had made this trade, 
what would you all think? Because I'd be for it personally. Yeah, I don't think I mean, we need a first if it works out, right? he's worth the investment. But you got to make the judgment call right now, Jim. Right. Right. You can't say if it works out, then yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, because that that'd be someone saying, "Well, if it doesn't work out, then it was a bust pick." Yeah. Well, would you, would you be happy with it in the moment? Yesterday, uh, us giving up a first round pick for Amari Cooper? Yeah. No, I would not. I I I also would hate this. I would be yeah. so upset. In that Amari Cooper was a first round pick, he has not performed at a level that I would would say a first round pick should perform at. Right. Uh, he's as Michael said, he's had the drops. He's had a case of the drops. He's he's lacked. Uh, I don't know effort. He he gives up on routes entirely too much, in my opinion, and that is unforgivable for me. For me, like for my perspective, and so I would say paying. I think me and Lebowski were talking about this a bit the other day. If if you're giving up a first round pick for a guy who was a first round pick a few years ago and hasn't performed at a spectacular level. You are paying for a, you're paying sticker value for a used car, and that's that's not okay. Yeah, the way somebody put it on Twitter is, congratulations, the Cowboys just paid one hundred twenty seven dollars for a T shirt they could have gone to Target for twelve bucks. Yeah, but to capitalize on what Keith was just saying, that's my big two problems with him. He's got the problems with the drops, which. What Titans fan loves a wide receiver who drops the ball right now? <laughs> We're just so in love with that because we can't get enough of that garbage. And then we're going to pick up somebody who gives up on routes. To me, that's the ultimate sin as a wide receiver to see when they realize they're not being targeted to jog out their route. That makes me want to beat the shit out of something. But didn't like a lot of wide receivers do that? Divas do that? I mean, we, we've heard, I mean, Jake Heller <laughs> did it. <laughs> Joe Flacco's doing it right now, and they're they're like probably you know way up there on the wide receiver list. But uh, <laughs> no, but like Randy Moss gave up on routes when he wasn't involved. So did T.O. Chad Johnson. I mean, they've all been in that part. The pr- Cooper's pro- nowhere near as good yeah. as those guys. So. You're putting right. him in right. elite. Well, I mean, right I'm now. saying that that that's not a big deal. But look also what he's been playing with. He was really good the two years ago when Derek Carr, you know, was really good. And he didn't give up on routes and everything then. And then last year, frustration, injury, and he's playing through an injury, it turns out. But he never complained about playing through an injury. And then this year, I mean, who the fuck wants to play for the Raiders? I I, I think a change of scenery can sometimes do a person good. And I think it's going to do Amari Cooper good, especially with them feeding false information that he just doesn't love football. I never have gotten that sense from Amari Cooper that he doesn't love football. From people like Eddie Lacy, I did. From uh, just speaking strictly of Alabama players, but Glenn Coffey was one. <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of players that I've seen in college that's like, eh, I don't think they're going to do that well or translate well because I don't think their heart's in it. I never got that vibe from Amari Cooper. So I think that was just... I don't know what that story was, but to me, a lot of people said they wouldn't have given up the first round pick or we're not going to trade a first round pick, even if it was for Odell or for Antonio. We're not doing it because the drafts in Nashville and Amy Adams Trunk's not going to let the first round pick not the Titans not be involved in that first round because it's in Nashville. Does anybody believe that? That's bullshit. What? What? Uh, How does that even factor into our draft? Yeah. Like. It, just because the drafts here does not affect our draft strategy. No. Do, I mean, does he, do, do you honestly believe that Amy Adams Strunk has said you cannot make any draft capital moves 
because we are hosting the draft. No, hell no. As a matter of fact, I could see Vrabel as the type of person to wear. If he saw the way, if he saw a beneficial way to trade our first round pick for something, he's not going to factor in that it's here. Right. Who cares? No. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I can't imagine that's that's a criteria or that's even in their mind. If it is, then shame on them because that's a dumb way to operate your you know multi billion dollar business. Um, because ultimately, what's what's going to bring more value to your franchise? Having a first round pick when you're already going to have a draft. I mean, people are going to not come to the draft because we don't have a first round pick, but people are not going to come to games if you don't win games. So, right. Um, yeah, you know, winning is way more important than having a first round pick when you have the draft at home. Well, and look at it this way too, and this is why I was trying to explain to Zach Bingham on A to Z Sports. We kind of went back and forth on it. The um, if let's say we made a trade for Amari Cooper, I regardless if it's the first round pick or not, Amari Cooper is someone that could lead us or at least be beneficial enough to our offense that we can at least bounce back, get into the playoffs. In my mind, we are one wide receiver away from at least being back in the playoff conversation 100%. Right now, we're probably 60% playoff conversation in my mind in the playoff team. 100% playoff team if we got a top-tier wide receiver. My, my we, problem with that logic, though, is I don't expect receivers to necessarily lift the play of an entire offense. I feel like a quarterback is going to dictate the play of the receivers as much as anything. Mike, shut the fuck up. You're just stomping all over my point. I'm trying to make a good, damn good point. <laughs> well, I mean, if we go I, like your, the- I like your point. I, yeah. I'm just saying I'm not sure a wide receiver is going to be – if we – I mean, if you stuck Julio Jones on the team or, or whoever you think is the best receiver – it, would it help? Sure, but I, I don't know that it fixes. It's not a magic wand that's going to fix every offensive problem we have. Well, I, way I don't that. know about that. Yeah, but if, if you we... got Julio Jones or or so, I'm not saying Amari Cooper is Julio Jones, but I'm saying if you got someone to take pressure off Corey Davis, who pushed Taewon Taylor a little bit off the field, you have to account for certain wide receivers, even if they're by name. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand here and take an asparagus piss all over your point because aren't we just assuming that... Yeah, yeah I never got to my point. Nobody knows what my point It doesn't was. matter. We don't like your point. I mean... My point was if we're picking in like 28 to 32, what the fuck does it matter if we have the first round pick or not? Because if we're that far into the playoffs or we, we do what we did last year and make it a little bit further, one step further, then it doesn't fucking matter if we have the first round. But we're assuming that Amari Cooper's going to show up and know the playbook? Like day well, I'm one. just saying yeah. in general that this was more of a point. Doesn't Do you think that J-Rob's hands are tied because he can't deal the first round pick no matter if it's Odell Beckham? Are we still or, discussing that? You're also assuming that we're having a pick that late in the draft next oh year. Oh, my God. You guys, are y'all even listening to me? Hypothetically... <laughs> The, the, what people are saying is that we can't trade our first-round pick for anybody. So let's say Odell Beckham was available. Yeah. Oh. And we trade our first-round pick for Odell Beckham. Sure. That's a game-changer, right? Yeah. yeah. I yes. mean, don't you think that can... Yes. We, 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 we say that offense is our biggest problem and wide receiver drops are our biggest problem. We go get Odell Beckham. Sure. That's well, at least going to get us into the playoffs, don't you think? I mean, yeah, but now we're sitting here talking. We're just throwing. I mean, uh, the no, conversation no. on the table is Amari Cooper and whether or not. No, no, no. The conversation are, on the table is do you think the first round pick is being handcuffed by Amy Adams Trump because we have the national. But in this situation, the first round pick would have gone to who? 
Well, we don't to pick up. But there's other wide receivers available, and there's other other. But not any better than Amari Cooper. So well, we to don't me, know. I mean, to me, Beckham the trendsetter is first round pick in relation to Amari Cooper. And then if you're going to back that up with talk of handcuffing this because the draft is here or somebody's shit doesn't stink the right direction that morning, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're, I don't think the draft being here matters for the first round pick, but also I don't think J Rob and anybody in that front office ever had a serious discussion about giving up a first round pick for Amari Cooper. And, and yeah. I agree with that. They probably did not have, a I serious mean, we're talking, we are talking about the Dallas Cowboys yeah. here. Jerry Jones is, Jerry Jones, and he's going to do what he wants. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about potential trade targets in general for the Titans. Someone wrote an article about that today. Did they? Yes, I did. Mm. It is on Music City Miracles <laughs> and is a fire cell um, uh, article. And I went around and talked about potential trade targets that you know we could get as a Titan scene. Impressive. Awesome. I'll let that's Big Mike start off with one. one I, I know Big Mike read the article. <laughs> So Mike Miracles did. Uh, I'll let him start off and tell us if, what he thought of the article I wrote. Yeah. So first of all, excellently written. Some Thank of you. your best work. Thanks. Um, but uh, yeah, so th- I think there's a few things. So a lot of people, we've, we've seen the ESPN uh, thing about Golden Tate and the Titans. And yeah, that sounds amazing. And that would be a great pipe dream and everything. But why would a contending team trade a top three on their roster receiver. I mean, the, the lions were running I think 11 top personnel. three. He's like top one. Well, I'll, t- I'll <laughs> tell, I'll tell you why, because Bill Barn Barnwell wrote an article, a hypothetical article about it. So of course that means it's going to come true because that's what everybody wanted to fucking talk about last week. Cause of that fucking article. Exactly. But I mean, that it's, it's far fetched. I mean, they're not going to trade their best, arguably, arguably their best receiver, um, away in the middle of a, a season that's, you know, they still have a good chance to make the playoffs or at least a decent chance to make the well, playoffs. Just that got that division is pretty too, wide open. So, so um, you know, that's not going to happen. So you, you've got to kind of got to look at these teams that are already done. I mean, you're talking about like the Raiders, the Cardinals, uh, the Giants, the teams that are already kind of selling off uh, parts in anyways. And I think if you look at it, really the Raiders to me, I thought were, were the team that matched up the best because you've got they've got the great interior line guys uh Kelechi Assimile, uh Rodney Hudson and uh Gabe Jackson oh my God, um, we from assimile. left guard to right guard just like a road. I would nut the Titans all over could certainly use some help there um you know on the interior I think with Spain uh Spain's probably played the best but the kind of the problem I guess is Klein just got a new contract, so they're not going to be real interested in benching Klein all of a sudden. And I mean, maybe you maybe you replace Jones. I think Jones would probably be if you could put Rodney Hudson in for Jones. That's the biggest upgrade, in my opinion, out of that group. Um, but it would kind of depend on who the Raiders want to make available uh, and and who you know how much it would cost, everything like that. But uh, I also think Jared Cook, as much as Titans fans will hate to hear this. I think Jared Cook could be a good addition um, as like a kind of late round pick kind of guy. I think you could get him for like a fifth or a sixth probably. He's had a really productive year um, this year and has been good for the last few years. But uh, he's he's really a giant receiver more so than a tight end. He's not a great blocker, which, you know, that doesn't help the, the fact that our tight ends can't block. But it does help the fact that our tight ends can't catch. So, 
Um, I will it, say it kind of fixes one of our problems. I will say that my initial reaction to you saying the name Jared Cook and as a, as a trade to the Titans was to gag and want to throw up. But now that you mention it, yeah, you're right. And but I think fifth would be a would be a low ball. A low ball? Yeah. Well, Snacks Harrison just went for a fifth today. I mean, Jared Cook should definitely not go for a fifth. I mean, let, let's get real again here. I mean, this is one of the most unproductive or tight ends that I've, I've seen no matter what team he's on. If he's with Aaron Rodgers, he's not very productive. If he's with the Raiders, he's maybe one or two games productive. He's he still has up more and down. receiving yards than I, I anyone get that else he's on the Titans than, right now. He's, he's better than what we have, and he's probably the best thing that the Raiders have going on their team, but it a fifth round pick? No way! Yeah. You're, you're putting him on the level of a snack, Saracen, and no way is he worth a fifth round pick. Yeah, for like I, two good games a year. I mean, Chris Wesley just said uh, Kelvin Benjamin on the Around the NFL podcast my way over, and I had this sick feeling in my stomach last night, and I was telling people last night, I really think we may trade for Kelvin Benjamin. I, I, I it just came not. over me. It just came over me. He's saying that to trade a fourth round pick for Kelvin Benjamin. I I would probably go. I'd I'd quit doing a Titans podcast. We would just be in totally <laughs> NFL podcast because that's utterly insane. And I think trading for Jared Cook for a fifth round pick, no way. Six max max for Jared Cook. Oh, uh, I mean fifth or six. I mean either uh, way, you're looking at a player yeah, yeah. that is borderline going to make the roster. Um, and we don't have a six round pick, so I'd say you know fifth. You know, I doubt you're going to get him for a seventh because that's basically a throwaway. We'll make it a conditional seventh. Interesting. Well, uh, John Robinson was quoted as saying, it's not as easy as it is on Yahoo Sports to log in and trade guys around. It should be. They should do, like, I don't know. It, sh- it feels like it should be a little bit, they should get more. Like, why did the Lion, or were the Lions the only one to get Snacks Harrison? Fifth round pick? I was like, What? It seems like a lot of teams could use one of the best run stoppers. Did they just stop at the first call? Like, what happened there? Like, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's for the NFL podcast. We'll talk sure. about it in the NFL podcast. Yeah. But, but I, it feels I, like it could be easier, and it could be more beneficial. I think they're afraid of making the wrong call and being judged more than they are of the potential for a correct call uh, to be made there. But the biggest Can't takeaway from that quote that I, I had was that John Robinson is a Yahoo sports guy Yeah, for his fantasy football <laughs> leagues, which is interesting. Like it's it. very interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? Who, by who, interesting, who, we who all is, agree that it's terrible, right? Yeah. Who who plays Yahoo fantasy sports? Is John it, Robinson. John don't Robinson. most people play on Yahoo? I what? mean, I know we don't, but don't most leagues? Aren't they the league? I think no. that's like the one thing Yahoo has going right yeah. now. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think, think they're the top league one. leader. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyways, let's Yuck. get to the uh, review of the uh, of the Chargers game, and let's start off with the thing that everybody's talking about. Uh, Big Mike, we'll start with you. the uh, The two point try decision was it the right call? Yeah, it. it I do feel like it was the right call. Now, I feel like it was at least close. Um, and we can talk about the uh, Giants two point conversion call on the uh, on the other podcast, but uh, I do feel like it was the right call because if you look at it from the point of view of what you're looking at, if you're Mike Vrabel, you've got 
two yards to go. You've got a tired defense on the field that's been on the field for 13 straight plays and 22 plays in, in the fourth quarter alone. Um, and you've got two yards to go. You're a pretty heavy underdog, which if you look at the stats, which I know Mike Vrabel isn't thinking about, oh, God, I'm a, I'm a six-point underdog or whatever they were uh, last week. But if you're you know, probably not the better team, which – that could be debated and argued or whatever, but uh, I think it's at least reasonable to think that Philip Rivers is the more, you know, quarterbacking the more dangerous offense um, for sure in that game. So do you really want to go into overtime and do you think that's 50 50? Because if you, you know, don't think it's better than a 50 50 chance that you actually win the game in overtime then you should go for two because odds are, you know, about 50-50 for a two-point conversion. Um, and I, I just don't, you know, you can second-guess the the play call for sure. The play call I, I thought was a disaster. I definitely think think they should have run it, especially considering it was a tired defense. But I like the call to go for two. I, I think it's the right call, and I think, uh, you know, you take the chance to win the game right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. That that was the thing. And people are like, you know, if I... I don't know where to start. I, I, I got so upset at the post game because it was the game audio because it was the London game, the only game on at the sports bar we were at. And the game audio, you had Boomer Esiason and his womb mate in whatever fucking cell... I, I mean, the fucking laboratory him and Phil Sims and Boomer Esiason were cook, cooked up in fucking from stem cells or what the fuck ever they were born at. They're the same fucking person. And they, of course, <laughs> fucking think that that was the stupid thing to go for. The extra point. I don't get it. And then Bill Cower was kind of half defending it, half saying it was right. But if you were really old... And an old school cult coach or player, you apparently hated it. But, and and I think they only hate it because it was, they think it was analytics driven. But here, here's what I'm going to say about it. And through a lot of discussions that I've had, you know, on Twitter and all this stuff, is that to me, it felt like four minutes in the game, me and you, Big Mike, were both saying that they should go for it. They should go for the two. And there was yep. a lot of people that said no. And to me, it just felt right. It felt like we had the Chargers defense on the ropes, and this was our chance and our chance to just keep on going, and we had momentum on our side. People say that we should not have gone for it because our defense had momentum. Well, that all changes at halftime. Momentum changes at halftime. And in the moment, our offense basically could do whatever they wanted. So, of course, we should go for two because our offense was doing what they wanted. That is the momentum thing. And I don't know if this was... To me, I'm not sure if Rabel called an analytics call here or if he actually called just a emotional, this is how I feel kind of call. So, I'm, I'm not yeah. sold as completely analytics-driven as much as it is probably 
game script, game experience in the in the moment driven. I can't take yeah. Phil Sim seriously because what grown man gives away a skillet of blackberry cobbler to people after playing football after Thanksgiving? You know why <laughs> CBS got rid of that? Because you're giving away a skillet of blackberry cobbler. Phil Sims needs to fall in a crack in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, back to the decision, I would say, <laughs> regardless of how awful Phil Sims is, um, the, I, I, I support the, the aggressiveness of the, of the call to go for two. I support the, uh, the fact that you're taking the game into your own hands. You're, you're putting your confidence in your own guys um, rather than, than giving it up to a, a coin toss to begin overtime. And potentially, you know, you see uh, Rivers drive down the field for a touchdown or whatever. There's a lot more variables in overtime. Yeah. I would much rather bet on our own guys to get that one yard. And it didn't happen this time. That's going to happen. But I would much rather see us with confidence and aggressiveness and attacking. Um, like you guys said, I don't necessarily know that was the right call. Big Mike, do you want to? talk about what you think the right call would have been uh, but before you do why do you think he chose blackberry cobbler like is that even a thanksgiving dessert i mean phil, it shouldn't it be pumpkin pie phil sims is a tip shit let's move on okay it's a lot of concussions <laughs> in that brain that he's got uh big mike uh the play call yeah so uh the call obviously they ran it, it, i've seen a lot of people saying that it was Oh well, why did you run a slant to Taewon Taylor as as the you know the last play? It to be wasn't fair, you were one of designed those people. to go to Taewon Taylor. His first read was on the right side of the field, um, and that's uh, that's on the second on the second play. Of course, uh, the first play was actually designed to be a, a little swing pass to Deion Lewis, and they took it away. Melvin Ingram basically dropped into uh, the passing lane, which he did on the interception as well. Melvin Ingram's just a really smart and intelligent football player who anticipated where the ball was going on both those plays. And he basically took away what would have been an easy touchdown because Deion Lewis was wide open at the start of that route. Um, but Ingram took away the throwing lane and, and kind of screwed the whole thing up. But uh, anyways, so you've got, you know, he works back across and then, uh, ends up scrambling outright and, and kind of drilling it in there. Uh, Corey Davis was the guy that drew the the holding call on that play that gave us the second chance. He uh, got thrown down to the ground actually by the guy that was trying to get out to cover Deion Lewis. Um, but Davis was kind of setting a screen on him, and uh, and the defender just grabbed him and threw him down, and they called the the penalty on the Chargers, which is kind of a break for the Titans, but. Um, then the second play call, and this is the one that really irked me because obviously you get the the one penalty and now it's moved to the one-yard line and how you don't run the ball or just sneak it at that point. I, I know our offensive line was a little bit banged up. Corey Levin was not playing very well. We had Dennis Kelly at right guard. But you've got to be able to get one yard um, on the ground. And statistically – if you look at two-point conversion tries over the last, I think, seven years, uh, run attempts convert at a 63.6% rate, and pass attempts uh, convert at just a 44.9% rate. So it's very heavily weighted in favor of running the ball on two-point conversions, and that's from the two. That's not even after it's been adjusted to the one. So I really just don't understand why they – didn't run the ball 
in that second one especially, but really I would have run it on both um, and done what Quentin Spain was clearly telling Variable to do. Yeah, Lebowski. Well, Mike, that that's what's so frustrating to me is, you know, one of the big things when you're trying to punt out of the end zone, your, your biggest concern of punting out of the end zone is that you don't have a lot of space back there. So on a two-point conversion, having all of that route running and everything condensed into this small 10-yard package where everything is going on in front of you, I completely agree with you. From a standard two-point conversion, if you're going to throw it there on the first, okay, fine, I get it. If you fail on that conversion, we get that. But when you draw the holding call and then now you're moved up to the one-yard line, how do you not automatically go to the run? And why in the world would you want to try to throw that pass again and try to figure out traffic with all that mixed up garbage going across the field? And the the other thing on the pass uh, that really hurts you on two point conversion, and if you if you think about it from the defensive point of view, there is no single play on a football field where pass interference or defensive holding or anything you can do as far as disrupting a route is less, I guess, disincentivized. So. You know, the the penalty for just tackling a guy in the end zone is they just move the ball up to the one. Excellent. You know, it's a one yard difference. It's not a, you know, it's not like a new set of downs. There's not a, it's not a spot foul. The worst thing that can happen is they move the ball up one yard. So if you get beat, you know, you're going to grab the guy and tackle them and hope they don't call it. Or, you know, hell, you should play as aggressive and physical as you possibly can and dare them to throw the flag, which officials don't want to do by nature anyways on a play that big. And they certainly don't, you know, it it certainly doesn't really hurt you that bad if they do call it. So um, that's what makes throwing in those situations so hard. The condensed space is huge. And also the fact that they, they just frankly are, incentivized to mug you uh if there's even a hope of you catching the ball no you're you're exactly correct to to take this one step further and then i'll leave it alone what are the chances the refs are going to call another penalty throw another flag against the chargers in this situation and risk putting themselves in a situation where it looks like they're setting up the titans to try to get this third attempt to win the game right right yeah all right well I think we've talked about that and, and kind of voiced our opinion on it. Um, it it's going to be hotly debated either way. Uh, it, sh- it shouldn't be. It I shouldn't mean, be. the play it call should, but the point to go for two yeah. should not be highly debated. Right, right. Um, you should stick your opposite view right up your ass. <laughs> Another thing with the the going for two call, it's not a guarantee that Suckup's going to hit that extra point. So how deflating would it have been to you know, decide, Oh, we're just going to kick the extra point, And then he misses it. And we lose anyways. I mean, yeah. it's like a 94 ish percent chance regularly. And we're playing on a slick field on a soccer stadium turf that he'd already missed from once before. Obviously that was a much longer kick, but uh, you know, they're not gimmies anymore. So, yeah. uh, you know, give me the two point conversion. Try all day. Yeah. Um, speaking of ass, Jarrell Casey, has been playing great all year, and I just wanted to He's take a minute so good. and have a Jarrell Casey appreciation minute. Just us clapping the whole minute? Just Yeah, just a soft round of applause. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about him. Nobody ever fucking talks about him. The man gets no respect. Hey, he, he made and he's a, a, worker. a spectacular play that I just had everybody in the bar looking at the replay. I yeah. mean, it was just... He just manhandled... Um, I think it was the left guard going into uh, 
and just to disrupt the play and, and sack Philip Rivers. It was awesome. Yeah. Big Mike, any any thoughts? He's playing uh, the best football he's ever played, I which is so. really saying something because he's been uh, fantastic. His basically his entire career here. But, uh, you know, what they've done with the scheme and everything, moving him uh, back and forth across the different sides and, and basically keeping him in a three technique, uh, you know, set up is really helped free him up to attack. And he's uh, he's taken advantage of it. He's he's playing at an incredibly high level and it's so fun to watch him play right now. Yeah. And he's a great dude on top of all of that. So he is. Um, I'm not sure that was quite a minute, but it was certainly an appreciation moment. Um, let's talk about another guy that we should probably appreciate a little bit more, especially considering his game last week. Let's talk about Tajay Sharp. Uh, Big Mike, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so uh, I underestimated Tajay Sharp, and uh, I, I was wrong for that. But um, he uh, he played a hell of a game. He's He's really had a pretty good year for the most part. Um, but this was easily his best game as a Titan. And he really, uh, he came through. I mean, I think all seven of his catches went for first downs. Five of them were on third down. It was pretty clear that Mariota was looking for him first on, uh, most of these third down plays. So, um, great game by him. And, uh, and hopefully we see more of that moving forward. He definitely earned, uh, more playing time with that performance. Um, who, who was it? that the judge ruled in favor of during the Tajay Sharp trial. Oh, that was that's against Tajay Sharp. That's too far I, back to remember. I, I, I think that I can't recall. I'll be shuffling that up the Court of Appeals. I can't recall. And I just wanted to be known that I've always believed in Tajay, and I think he <laughs> should be called Tajay from now on. <laughs> what? Motion passes. I, um, I appreciate that. Let's talk about his squad mates. Let's talk about his uh, his struggling buddies. Uh, Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor didn't have the greatest of games. Uh, Big Mike, do you want to start us off again? Yeah, so I get, I get the frustration, for sure, because the two drops that they had in this game were at the worst possible time. It was in that final drive, and, and luckily we basically you know were able to bail them out by, uh, you know, getting a chance to win the game at the very end, despite those drops. Um, I think Davis's was on the drive before uh, that last one, but you know, the drops has been an issue, It's but it's been spread. It's not like Davis and Taylor are the only people that have dropped balls all year. It has been spread out among several receivers. And I think right now there's a little bit of a recency bias thing going on with the bashing of uh, Davis sucks. He's, he's a bust. I, you know, I've seen, I've seen so many people calling him a bust and acting like, oh, he's just awful. We we got to get rid of him. We got to bench him or, or whatever. And, you know, of course, Taylor is getting the same treatment. But just a few weeks ago, we were talking about how good this, these guys played against the Eagles. So I, I don't think it's fair that we just write them off altogether right now. Obviously, they've got to play better than what they did Sunday. I think Davis is struggling a little bit with the fact that uh, I think teams are were, focused on taking him away from the Titans at this point because uh, they know he's the focal point of the offense. And, you know, that's something he's got to work through. They've got to be more consistent. But I, I don't think you just throw these guys away and say, oh, they're bad football players. I think it's way too early for that. Sure. Zach? 
that sounds like a Taewon truther, and I'm going to say something. Life isn't fair, and I think Taewon's got to get his fucking head out of his ass and quit looking up the fucking field, looking for the play before he even catches the fucking ball. Catch the fucking ball, and then we'll worry about you getting your yards after catch. It's it's ridiculous. I am fed up with Taewon. We cannot make it into the playoffs with the three receivers that we have. I love Corey Davis, and I, I love Tajay, even though Corey Davis needs to learn to catch with two hands. But after that, with no Delaney Walker, with no Richard Matthews, we needed someone to step up, and nobody's fucking stepped up beyond Corey and Tajay. Something has to be done. I am not giving Taewon a pass. Taewon is in his is college years and through now should have learned to catch the ball with his hands and and do something. I mean, just catch. That's your fucking job. How did you make it this far and get drafted with not being able to catch the ball? Mike, do you do you agree or do you have more patience with Taj or Taewon, sorry? I mean, I think you've got to have patience with him. I mean, we're talking about he's got like three drops this year. Um, Michael Crabtree has eight. Obviously, that's on a, a lot more targets. But, you know, this is also a guy that was hugely productive in college. He caught, I think, 80-something balls his senior year and, you know, over well over 150 during his time, uh, you know, at Western Kentucky. It's not that he can't catch. It's just I think he's having – He's got a lot going on trying to learn the playbook. He's he's clearly somebody that struggles with that for whatever reason. Um, and I think he's a little bit in his own head right now, and it's it's affecting his concentration and focus. And you know that's that's not an excuse. He's got to he's got to catch the ball one way or another. But I think that's an explanation for why this this may be happening with him. I don't think he's got probably the greatest hands, anyways. He's definitely more of a a body catcher. It seems like he doesn't attack the ball with his hands like uh, Sharp and Davis uh, do, which is problematic in general. But I don't think you give up on him at this point. Some people, I mean, some people are ready to cut him or trade him away, like he's Nick Williams or something like that. That's that's taking it too far. Do you think he should have stayed awake during igniting the fire in the off season and actually, <laughs> you know, learned the playbook? I mean, give me a break. I mean, this is this is. You know what you just described to me? Lavelle Hawkins. Like, all that speed in the world, and he doesn't want to learn. He can't, Not that he doesn't want to learn the playbook, but he has a hard time with the playbook, and he has a hard time with the fundamentals. I, I'm just... I'm not saying let's trade away Taewon. I'm saying let's trade for another wide receiver, sign another wide receiver, and let's, let's put Taewon in more of a role that he can handle. Taewon, you have to run straight, or Taewon, you have to stay in the wide receiver screen or do the jet end around. Other than that, don't give him anything else. Don't put him. Quit putting wide receivers. And this is really something that I feel like Lebowski should talk about. But quit putting wide receivers in the middle of the field that can't catch the ball where Marcus is the most accurate. Well, so I will <clears throat> I'll excuse Taewon's lack of fundamentals. Um, as just having the yips and, and, and just having, just having a bad season with drops. And then you combine that with like, I've been harping on is learning a new system, which is why I'm willing to be patient with, with the majority of our team, if not all of our team, it's not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and bitch and moan about it, but 
the, I think I feel that the drops will eventually start to go away as this system, as all the players start to become more comfortable with each other in the system. They've also had a lot of outlying factors that you just can't control and a lot that's been thrown at them at the beginning of the season of, of things that no one anticipated with injuries, with playing a seven and a half hour game to start the season to, I think if you throw all that in there, it could, it could disturb any good football player. So I, I'm, I am willing to be a little more patient, but to kind of elude what you were talking about, the, the frustrating thing. And I heard uh, it was Blake Bettingfield who said this, uh, I believe it was on one Oh four five yesterday. Um, what is so frustrating is to see Marcus, his accuracy is greatest in the middle of the field between the hashes, between the numbers and when he's outside the numbers to the right and left, he, he either pushes or pulls the ball a little bit. So he's most accurate in the middle of the field. And in the middle of the field, if I'm recalling correctly, is where we're seeing the most drop passes. And so that's not only going to affect your wide receivers, but that's really going to get into your quarterback's head and under his skin, whether he communicates that or not. So, Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, and shift a little bit to the running game, which we finally saw get traction. Yes, uh, against the Chargers, which was very encouraging. Uh, Big Mike, do you want to start us off again? Yeah. So obviously, I, I think Dion Lewis really carried the running game in this game, and I, I know I, I I don't know what to make of Derrick Henry at this point because Henry he. He's got all the you know physical talent in the world and everything, but he is he's really struggling right now to get anything on track. Uh, he he had a couple nice plays in the passing game, I think, catching a, a couple checkdowns and stuff like that, which you know is good to see that he can contribute on on some of that stuff. But Lewis is just so dynamic, and there was you know the the play that he made where he was basically dead to rights, four yards in the backfield, and he just pulled off of, uh, you know, two defenders and peeled back the other way and ended up running for, I think he picked up the first down or he, he picked up like six or seven yards um, going the opposite direction. That's the kind of stuff when your offensive line isn't, isn't playing at the highest level and you're struggling to get blocking from your tight ends, that's some, some big, big plays there from Deion Lewis where he's basically bailing you, your offensive line out because he's so elusive and quick. And uh, I think they've got to use Deion Lewis more, um, as much as I hate to say it, because I do like uh, Derrick Henry as a talent. But just right now, I think Henry is much better when you can give him good blocking and, and give him a, a runway, which, um, you know, once he gets into that second level, he's very tough to bring down. It's just in the backfield, he does not get to build up enough momentum to really break tackles back there. And most people, you know, they're able to get in around his legs and slow him down and then he's dead to right. So um, I think right now, Lewis is the better fit for this backfield. Zebo, you agree? I don't know if the better fit was the, is the is a good term in context of the whole backfield. I think it's the better fit for that game. And and I will say this is the first time I I, I think they actually – visualized and solved the hot hand approach and they went with it. I, I, we have been as, as a whole on the podcast have said, we feel like Henry should get more touches. Well, this is a game Henry shouldn't have. It's not that Henry wasn't productive. It's just that Dion Lewis was ultra productive. And it's really the first game that he showed that ultra productiveness in all facets of his game. Sometimes just been the passing game. Sometimes not, but I want I want to do a round table discussion here. I've had people this this week 
ever since this past game say we should trade Derrick Henry. And I think trading Derrick Henry gives us Deion Lewis, who has never played a full 16 games as our as a lead back, then David Flewellen and Dalen Dawkins as our top three running backs. That's stupid, right? Does everybody agree? Is there anybody that thinks that you should trade Derrick Henry? Uh, to quote that, my favorite movie, The Big Lebowski, uh, these men are nihilist, Donnie, and they believe in nothing. I'm not yeah. even going to dignify <laughs> that with a response. Yeah. It, it's a dumb It's a dumb decision. It, it's it's a Madden thing. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's the whole thing of, well, this guy's a backup, so we don't really need him. Let's trade him to get a better player somewhere else. And we'll just use the guy that's better anyways. It, it That's not the way it works. You've got to have depth, especially running back and trading away Henry and not getting something. Like, I mean, if you're going to trade away, trade away Henry, you've got to get a running back back. You can't just say, oh, we're going to trade him away and roll with Deion Lewis and David Flewellen. That's that's not a recipe for success there. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a dumb idea. And Dave Flewellen looked like shit in the two plays that he was in. And yeah, he was awful. Let me a- ask this. Um, oh, I was going to ask it. Then the question just fluttered away. Interesting. Hmm. It's okay. Well, it's like it needs to flutter away, like this talk of trading Derrick Henry. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get into Mariota's performance. Uh, Zebo, let's start with you for a change. How did you feel that uh, his game against the Chargers went? Instilled me with a lot more confidence. But let's see it like five or six more games. Yeah. You know, let's see for the rest of the season. Let's be more consistent. He he made throws that we've seen him make back in like one game, two games. A very he made a lot of throws that he probably wouldn't have made or that he definitely chose to ignore or not make in the Ravens and Bills game. Um but let's see it on a consistent basis. You know, uh, there was a meme that floated around. You know the, um, was it Mo- Miami Motor Choppers or what's the? Oh yeah, uh, the, the guy's yelling at his the son. Orange County Choppers yeah. or whatever. Yelling at his son and he's throwing the chair at some part of the meme. They're arguing over something or whatever. Me me meme, whatever you want to call it. And uh, there was one that floated around today about Blake Bortles. And if, you know, people, it was put out by someone that wrote for Big Cat Country, and which is the SB Nation version of uh, Music City Miracles, and it was them arguing about, you know, Blake Bortles, he can't throw a tight spiral, and he's never been able to throw a tight spiral, and then someone, the, the son's like, but the New England game, but this game, and then he's like, yeah, but, you know, he's never done, he's never been good since 2015, we keep making these, and it's about that. Yeah. I kind of feel, I'm not I'm not here to say that I think that Blake Bortles' skill level and Marcus's skill level are the same, but... It kind of feels that every time we put our faith in Marcus that he has turned a little bit of a corner, he improves, he'll play a skittish, scared game. I need five or six games this year in a row for me to feel that after the 2019 season, I'm all in. I need to see improvement, of course, in 2019, but I need to see a little bit more of the Marcus that we saw in the Eagles game, the Marcus that we saw in this game, and the Marcus that we saw in 2016. 
I, I don't. I feel like 2017 is an anomaly, but how much of an anomaly is it when there's games this this year too? So, yeah. you know, loved what I saw. Makes me hopeful that when we play the Dallas Cowboys, who have a great pass defense, that we'll see good Marcus. Hopefully, thank God. Please, please. Zach is hoping for good, consistent Marcus. Uh, yes. Big Mike, your thoughts? Yeah. So I, I felt pretty much the same way. I, I think he was much better in this game. The offense moved. He was particularly good on third down, um, which is obviously critical. But that kind of brings me to an overall point about the offense that I'm pretty concerned about. There's just a a general lack of explosive plays in the offense um, right now. And it's, it's problematic because it does put so much pressure on, one, your quarterback to convert third downs constantly, which he did in this game. Obviously, he struggled with that uh, against Baltimore and Buffalo. Um, and that's kind of the difference in those three games, honestly, is is he was able to consistently convert thirds and uh, keep the drives alive and keep them moving. Um, so, But that puts a lot of pressure on just individual plays, and that's how you end up with these drops, just completely derailing games and, uh, you know, really screwing things up for you where you really need to be attacking downfield more consistently and moving the ball in big chunks. And that's really how you're going to score because otherwise you also end up with the thing of, okay, we converted like three, three third downs in a row and now we're in the red zone and now everything's tight and condensed. It's harder to move the ball. And now we've got to rely entirely on our red zone offense to convert consistently. And it's, it's unrealistic to, assume your team is always going to convert in all these pressure spots. You've got to find explosive plays, plays that, you know, the 40 yard touchdown, the 70 yard touchdown, like, like what uh, the chargers had uh, on those, those two bombs from rivers. You've got to find those plays every now and then. I mean, it can't, it doesn't always have to be for a touchdown, but a 40 or 50 yard pass play here, uh, you know, 30 yard rush there, something like that. And Dion Lewis had a couple of those in this game on the running side of things but the passing game still just does not have you know virtually devoid of explosive plays and that's got to be fixed at some point and whether that's a function of the receivers or Mariota or the game plan or you know anything else I, I'm not 100% sure but that has got to be a focus moving forward after this bye week and I would hope that that's something that they're spending the bye week trying to figure out how they're going to create those because the the Titans are one of the least uh I think they've they're like in the top or bottom five in the NFL in explosive pass plays and that's that's where, you know, the Bills live. Um and we don't <laughs> we don't want to live near the Bills. Not good company. Um no. Yeah, that's something I hadn't really thought of that now that you bring up, I realize that I've never really seen us with the ball and I've never really been thinking Oh, this, you know, we could really explode in some points here. It was always, well, if we get a slow, methodical drive, we can take the lead. It's never like, I don't feel the danger that I feel with certain other teams, like teams that are notorious for their offense. And uh, I definitely hope we can turn that around. But uh, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and I'll start us off talking about uh, Strap, somebody that we've been kind of critical of recently. 
Um, Malcolm Butler had a good game against the Chargers. Uh, Big Mike, do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, he was he was very good against the Chargers. I think he only uh, allowed one pass that I saw, and I think that was like a five-yard crossing route or something like that, that he pushed the guy out of bounds uh, right basically where he caught it. So you really can't ask for a whole lot more. There was the one play that, uh, that I tweeted out during the game, or I think uh, Titans Film Room t- tweeted it out. I retweeted it. Uh, of it was a third down play they ended up picking up the third down with antonio gates but if you looked at butler he was in press man coverage against uh mike williams at the bottom of the screen and butler's jam he he just destroyed mike williams at the line of scrimmage and mike williams literally was still within a yard of the line of scrimmage when the play ended because he could not get past butler's jam um which is really impressive big Um, big dude yeah yeah, yeah, Mike Williams is a big, strong guy. So Butler, Butler's got some of that stuff. And listen, that's not the first good play he's made as a Titan. He's done other things well. He's got plenty of plays. If you go back and watch the Texans game, I know he had the bomb to uh, Fuller that he gave up, and I think he was technically credited as being in coverage on the uh, busted play that went to uh, Hopkins for the touchdown there too. But he played really well against DeAndre Hopkins. He was very physical. He disrupted him a lot. I know Hopkins got his numbers and all that, but if you look at where he got his numbers, I think about 70 of his yards came on the busted play uh, on the touchdown and then the uh, like last second dumb throw into the middle of the field that, that was like for 30 yards but ended the game. So I thought Butler played very well in that game. He played very well against the Chargers. So we've kind of seen him be up and down, which is a little bit of what we expected all along. But my pet peeve right now is too many Titans fans saying, Malcolm Butler sucks. We need to bench him for LaShawn Sims. We need to trade him. We just should cut him. What you know? What are we doing? That's a massive overreaction. Malcolm Butler does not suck. He's given up a few bad plays. He's had some undisciplined uh, issues just putting his eyes in the wrong spot like they talked about when uh, when they discussed some of those plays with him last week and with Vrabel. And I think if he gets that corrected, we could still get the player that, that we obviously are paying him to be. Um, but it's Malcolm Butler does not suck. People need to calm down with the – Malcolm Butler's trash takes. Uh, I think my thing is, is that we are getting the Malcolm Butler that we paid for. We're just not getting the Malcolm Butler that the majority of fans who don't know Malcolm Butler's career thought we were paying for. I think a lot of people thought that Malcolm Butler was going to be the shutdown corner. And while he's a great corner, he still allowed even last year, eight touchdowns. Um, And, he's still allowed big plays. It's just, you know, they're all happening in the, the moments at the beginning of the season. And I, I don't, I just don't think people were very aware of it, that that's what he was, but he's still a very good corner. Like you said, I know his snap counts gone down and everything. I, I think the more, the biggest problem is the amount of money that he got versus that, what we've seen given on the field. Uh, and especially now when you hear of players like Patrick Peterson, Janoris Jenkins, and all these all these players that could be had, but at the time there's you have to go after the players that are available. You you can't predict the future. If you can predict the future, 
if J-Rock could predict the future, we wouldn't have drafted Kevin Dodd. We wouldn't. We would have known that Delaney Walker was going to go down. We probably would have get a t- drafted a ev- drafted or got a tight end in free agency. We would have known that Rashard Matthews got quit. Would have quit. We we didn't know that Patrick Peterson possibly could be had for the right price. Garyon Conley could be had for a draft pick. All these other cornerbacks we just never knew. Eli Apple. Well, there was trade rumors in the off season, so that could have been something we could have pursued. But again, that's just as much as gamble as gambling on Malcolm Butler. Granted, it could be cheaper, but what were we going to do with that money in free agency anyway? We we'd already lost out when those rumors came up on Brandon Cooks and Sammy Watkins. So it really didn't matter. Um, so I, I think that you we we may not be getting what we perce- from. Malcolm that we perceive that we should gotten by the amount on the paycheck, but it's also you're wanting to say he's getting paid sixty million dollars. I mean, at some point he's not getting paid that full sixty unless we keep him for the full amount of the contract. So let's relax on. Well, this is what a sixty million dollar cornerback looks like. If he continues to look like this, he's not getting paid the full sixty million dollars, guys. <laughs> I think he's. I think also. Just real quick, I think he's a victim of his own success in a way because he had that huge Super Bowl moment that everybody knows and everybody saw. Everybody thinks that they're going to get that every single game. They're going to get some ridiculously you know, important interception every single game, and that's just not how that position works. Um, all right, Zach, uh, do you want to lead this segment? I think it's fan questions, right? It is fan questions on Twitter from at Rob Greenlaw. Why are you the way that you are, Lebowski? <laughs> oh, is this directed to me? No, it's just why are you the way that you are? Well, I'm gonna let you fill this one. Um, first off, the name obviously is is tied to a movie. Yeah. If you don't like that, I really don't give a shit. But the the main part is so that I can hide from my employer and still act like an asshole on Twitter. So I don't know if that answers your question about the reason why that I am the way I am. If you're asking why my parents are disappointed in me, I don't really have time to go into all that, but slide into my DMs. We can talk about that in depth. All right, I, this one, I hate, can I can yeah. I guess on the movie real quick? Yeah. Uh, Is it sure. Freaky Friday? No. Uh, okay. Janer, the movie. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is for Big Mike. At TitansFan42, his name is Josh. How much have you seen Henry running out of 10 and or 11 personnel, and why is this not a preference for him? Also, thoughts on LaFleur's play call well, on first down? Oh, what? Th- also, thoughts on LaFleur. I thought it was going to be another uh, second question. Second question. Also, thoughts on LaFleur's play calls on first down and where you think he is in the progress- progression as a play caller? Um, so, Henry. Oh, no. <laughs> I think we saw a little bit of him running out of uh, eleven personnel this week. I don't. I don't know that the Titans have run a single snap of ten personnel uh, this year. They almost, or I think they've had a tight end on at least one tight end on the field for every play except for the times when they've gone two back. But um, regardless, I do think they should run out of some of the uh, the lighter like eleven personnel, spread it out, and run a little bit more uh, it was pretty effective against the chargers that was the first time we've really seen them do it to uh to the extent that they did uh in that game and i think that was a big part of why they were able to find some of that success on the ground um so i'd like to see them do that more in as far as the floor question i think he's 
definitely still feeling things out as a play caller and you know really as as a play caller he's getting used to what Mariota likes as much as he's learning to to call actual plays you know he a play can be the greatest play on earth, but if your player isn't comfortable executing it, it doesn't really matter. So getting to know Mariota better, them kind of learning each other and, and really getting comfortable there will help. And, you know, obviously game by game, you'd like to see them getting better and moving towards stuff that works. And, and I think you're starting to see that a little bit in that Chargers game. Obviously, the bye week is a big self-scouting week. So hopefully we see more of that in Dallas. I'm sorry, the correct answer to both questions were was cantaloupe. Okay, uh, this one is for DJ EJ. Oh, okay. Uh, Zach T. Busby, at Zach T. Busby. Is it fair to criticize J-Rob for being too precious with his draft picks? Too precious with his draft picks? No, not at all. Um, no. I'm sorry, the correct answer was cantaloupe again. Okay, <laughs> Damn, interesting. that is it for the uh, Titans... Uh, well, a little mailbag that we had. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, Effers. Uh, make sure to visit our sponsors, For the Ville 615 at ForTheVille615.com for all your clothing needs and all your your Paul Blart and nipple needs. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I can't. No, you get to watch Paul Blart while wearing For the Ville. That doesn't sound. It sounds sensational. No. It sounds like a lovely Saturday. Have You're you right. It's probably it's probably too much goodness for one person to handle. <laughs> just just <laughs> well, sensory over. Oh no. Uh, rate and review us, but not based on what you just heard. <laughs> rate and review us on on Titan specific things, and follow us on Twitter at at efforts pod. Uh, you can get more and Instagram and Instagram. That's right. I forgot we got a new Instagram. Um, you can get more of Mike's analysis on all things Titans at Music City Miracles. Uh, what is our Instagram? How does how does how do you Instagram? It's at, at F Words Pod. Oh, oh, oh look at that. We 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 keep it brand central. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Makes sense, it's, right? It's like uh, it's like our Twitter, but with a filter. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Oh, huh. A little bit darker. It's it's like well, it's like it's like. PG thirteen Paul Blart versus rated R Paul Blart. Oh, okay. So yeah. terms I can understand. Yeah, Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we are football and other efforts, and you've just been Paul Blarted. <laughs> Blart. <laughs> get better. Get better, Bilal Powell. Get better soon. I, I really don't know what to do without the uh, theme music for the end. I, don't I, I know I fucked that up. Why, why do we not have theme music? What? No. Now we, we're just we all complaining music. about the theme music and the theme musical theme playing. The, the theme music's been happening the whole time. Yeah. I want to know why Robert is the way he is. Robert, are you, are you hung up on this? You hung up on the fan question? My life. Who the fuck is Robert? <laughs> the guy who asked him about <laughs> why Rob he is Green the way Bob. he is. Oh. Why are you the way you are? Why are you the way you are? I tried to get into it. I don't know. Genetics. Therapy. Environment. Drugs. Paul Blart. <laughs> Paul Blart. Paul Blart, mostly. Yeah, mostly Paul Blart. No, it's mostly Paul Blart, the sequel. Paul Blart 2? Yeah, Paul Blart 2. I Blartier am than before. <laughs> I am's what I am. Paul Blart 2 are blarted. That's all that I am. <laughs> Foo Blart? What? <laughs> it's that Foo Bar. It's Foo Blart. No. I thought for, he said for, for you, for us, by. Yeah, that's what I Blart. thought you were going Blart. for. I thought you were going by with Foo Blart. Blart. Is this outro not over yet? Right. No, we're doing this for no, four, four hours. Four yeah. more hours of outro. Still going. Is this yeah. like the fish version of an outro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
seven and a half minutes later, and you're going, huh? Oh, you're still playing this guitar. By by the end of this, we'll have Paul Blart three and four written. Yes. And another Adam Sandler movie. Yes. I'm going to. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.